You are Locked On Pacers, your daily Indiana Pacers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Pacers fans, welcome into a Sunday edition of the Locked On Pacers podcast. Today, we are going to preview this first game of this road trip against the Phoenix Suns in Phoenix. And to help me do that, the Suns experts and one of my bosses, the editor-in-chief of Hoops Habit, Gerald Bourget. Gerald, how are you, man? I'm pretty great, Tony. How about you? I'm good, and I'm very jealous that you're in Phoenix because it's going to snow for like the next seven hours here. Oh, that is rough. It's like uh, 65 here today. <laughs> oh, God. I need to move. So the Suns. The Suns are uh, are struggling this year, kind of. They are 16 and 26, good for 11th in the Western Conference. They currently have the fourth fastest pace in the NBA, which is exciting because they're a young team. They're running the court. They have the 27th best offense with a 105.1 offensive rating and a 111.5 defensive rating, which is 29th in the league. Uh, are those numbers pretty indicative of how the team has been or have some recent trends kind of bumped those numbers around? Um, they kind of are for the season. I mean, it doesn't help when you lose two of your first three games by like 42 and then 48. <laughs> it doesn't help. But turn it around over the last few games. Um, I think their numbers might be a little bit better if Devin Booker hadn't missed those couple of weeks with the uh, groin injury. Christmas um, from NBA.com, they've been the 21st ranked O and the 18th ranked defense. Um, which is, you know, obviously not great. They're not going to be a playoff team, but it's a little bit better than Peter that people still kind of perceive them to be. They've definitely picked it up in the last six or seven games since Booker's been back. Yeah, Booker, we'll get to him in a, in a moment because he's been just so impressive this year. But yeah, I didn't notice this until I looked it up, but they're actually ninth in the lottery standings right now. They'd have the ninth pick with their record. I feel like I, I just generally feel like they're lower than that in my head. Right, and a lot of people don't really pay attention to the Suns because, um, you know, Suns Twitter is a little obnoxious about Devin Booker, and then <laughs> other like Josh Jackson got off to such a terrible start, people already wrote him off. Uh, the same thing with Dragon Bender last year, even though he's shooting like nearly thirty nine percent from three now. Uh, Marquise Chris was always kind of seen as a defensive turnstile, and now he's starting to slowly put it together. Um, and even Jackson has had a really good set of like three or four games now after a Triano kind of sat him down and said, look, I don't have confidence in you you right now. We're better off when you're not on the floor. So you need to give me a reason to have confidence in you. And he's to his credit, he's really taken that to heart and uh, worked a lot harder in trying to like watch film and slow down his game a little bit. So the youngsters, believe it or not, are are slowly starting to come around, even though it makes sense why no one would really notice. Yeah, I understand that. I, I'm a little behind on my son's knowledge myself, which actually I have a question about the team. Um, I know that Isaiah Kanan, who they signed when they cut Mike James, has actually been really good for you guys, but he got hurt early in this 2018. Is he going to be back, you think, by Sunday, or will he miss that game? I think he should be back by Sunday. Um, he is. He practiced on Thursday and was questionable heading into the Friday game. So I think by Sunday he should be okay to go again. Okay, so for those of you listening, we're recording this on a Thursday. The Suns play the Rockets tomorrow, and the Pacers play the Cavs. So if uh, some of our stats are just a little off of what you're seeing, that is why. And if we get the dates wrong, it's just how we're talking. But you can't talk about the Suns without talking about Devin Booker. And even I tweeted at you the other day and said, I don't think he's an all-star. But then today, I looked at his stats a little more closely because I'm about to talk about the Suns on a podcast. 
And I was uh, way more impressed than I thought I'd be. He's almost in the 50, well, not quite, but he's getting there to the 50, 40, 90 club, 47% from two, 39.5% from three, uh, 87% from the line. So incredibly efficient, 25 points per game. Uh, And he just looks awesome in some of the the sets I watched. He's initiating offense. He's draining pull-ups. He's actually passing. His 4.3 assists are like almost first on the team, just behind Isaiah Kanan, who has barely played. So, to me, he looks like a whole different player this year. Who's uh, who's almost unstoppable. Uh, what what have you thought of him so far this season? Has he has he been all star level to you? I think so. I mean, obviously the Suns' record is going to hurt, but as we've kind of mentioned, they're actually not that far down the standings. And if you look at some of the all star voting, there are a couple of teams that have higher voting players on there that are nowhere near as good as Booker has been this season. Um, heading into his third year, there were like three or four main flaws in his game that you could knock him for his defense didn't really do anything other than score. Like he wasn't a good rebounder. He wasn't a much of an assist guy, a playmaker. And, um, you know, like he needed to step into that leadership role. He wasn't even an efficient score, which kind of hurts if that's what you're the one thing you're pegged for. So this season, he's, I mean, he's answered almost all of those. Like, the defense is still a problem from time to time. He's 21 years old, and he does exert a lot of energy on the offensive end. But he is trying a lot harder, and you can tell the efforts there. So that's huge. He's rebounding and assisting. Um, As you noted, he's, like, second on the team in assists behind Cannon, who's only been here for a couple of games. Um, Honestly, like, the Suns run him at point guard pretty often now because you listen – Cannon aren't reliable shooters, so it's just easier to give him the ball and let him create and score for himself off the ball and run him ragged. Um, but he's really just responded in every way. He's a much more efficient scorer. He's got a dynamic post game that not a lot of people know about, but he's definitely been watching his Kobe film as far as putting <laughs> that post work down low. Um, and he's shooting the three ball a lot better. So. You know, he is basically the reason that the Suns have those 16 wins. They won a couple of games without him, but re- I mean, it was it was pretty painful some of those games when he was out for two to three weeks because he's basically he is the lifeblood of this team right now. Yeah, he he looks really impressive, and and the passing is really what I was was interested in a lot of too. I mean, obviously, I I'm happy he's efficient because last year his his true shooting percentage was awful. This year, up to 57 and a half percent, which is uh, you know, very much above average, and he's only 21, and he's shooting high volume, so that's great. But, you know, the the passing being there for me is huge because, you know, off the pick and roll, he was so one-dimensional last year that he wasn't good, and now he's super effective off that situation. And he's got, you know, between uh, Greg Monroe and TJ Warren, he's actually got some people he can give the ball to. So things are really helping his stats on the offensive end besides just shooting. Right, and and like you mentioned with the pick and roll, he's definitely getting a lot better at manipulating those and kind of putting defenders on his hip and getting them at his mercy, really, as far as whether he's going to pull up and try and draw a foul or get to the rim or whatever it might be. Um, and, and it does help, like, the way that he's scoring the ball. He actually has, he has 13 30-point games in 32 appearances. I think that's third in the – yeah, third in the league. LeBron and Harden both have 15 30-point games, but LeBron's played eight more games and Harden's played three more games. So, like, he's – I mean, he, he's a dynamic scorer. He's only 21 years old, which is scary. There's 21 or younger uh, to average a 24-4-4 line. 
other than Booker by like age 21 were LeBron, T-Mac, and MJ. Like that's pretty Wow. <laughs> for the youngster. Um, I mean, obviously, like he's still got a lot of work to do. He is committing quite a few turnovers. But it, it is a little crazy to see that, you know, his NBA player comparison might start leaning closer to a James Harden than, you know, like a Clay Thompson or a Bradley Beal or CJ McCollum like he was originally pegged. I think that playmaking is really going to make him stand out moving down the line. Yeah, agreed. And this is going to be one of those rare games against the Pacers where both teams' best players are shooting guard that can play in that capacity. Like some, like against the Wizards, Beal's been so good, but he's less of a creator and more of a scorer. And, you know, the Rockets, Harden's just everything, so that doesn't really count. But I feel like Oladipo and Booker are, are leaning to similar play styles throughout the season, and it'll be really cool to see them matched up against each other. I want to talk about TJ Warren, too, whose stats just blew me off the page when I started with him today. But I want to ask a little tidbit question first. Uh, who starts, Greg Monroe or Tyson Chandler? I don't actually know the answer to that. Um, Tyson Chandler usually starts um, on the second night of a back-to-back. They'll usually give Chandler the night off and then start Monroe. Uh, but Len is usually the backup no matter what. It's, okay. it's kind of funny because the Arizona beat writers are you know, constantly wringing our hands about this because we got those daily fantasy people in our mentions all the time asking who's going to start. Because <laughs> uh, they, they do have three centers who are capable of starting. Um, they just go with the experienced guy and let Len kind of wreak havoc on opposing benches. Yeah, poor Alex Len. I wish he would uh, get a better chance somewhere. Right. But anyway, TJ Warren, uh, you probably haven't listened, but on our show that came out today, we we did our own little snippet preview of this game. And Adam, my co-host, who's not on today, uh, he is TJ Warren in fantasy. And he said that's how he knew TJ Warren was playing so well. He's like up top 10 in small forward total fantasy points. And I was like, what? No way. And I looked at his stats and outside of three point percentage, he's pretty much been awesome all across the board. And I know Nate Duncan calls him a professional scorer. Uh, How good has TJ Warren been this year? He's been really good. Um, If it weren't for Booker just kind of making the leap in year three, we'd be talking a little bit more about TJ Warren's season, um, posting career highs and scoring and rebounding uh, 19.6 points, 5.6 rebounds. Um, He's shooting just under 50% from the field which is really good considering like you mentioned like he cannot shoot a three to save his life and if he could he would be like a top five top ten small forward in this league for for sure um his defense has improved a lot as far as moving without the ball like the guy like you've probably heard this said before and anyone who knows anything about warren has probably heard this said before but the guy just gets buckets like he just puts himself in the right position around the basket he can free himself up in the mid-range. Um, you know, he, he's kind of like uh, a lesser DeRozan in that regard as far as being able to to create for himself, and, and he's really good moving off the ball, which is huge because if you don't have shooters around Devin Booker, you need to give him more options than just standing there and letting the defense get sucked in. So um, it, it's been a really good season for him. Hopefully he keeps it up. He's definitely making good on that contract extension they gave him. He's far outperforming it. I was kind of critical of that at first, but again, playing Twitter GM never ends up well. So let's focus on the, the, this game in particular. Now the Pacers are going to be coming in after either two straight losses or a nice win over the Cavs. But uh, I think this one's going to be interesting because of that Oladipo Booker matchup will be exciting. And, you know, I think that the, 
two teams with short point guards is going to be a funny looking matchup. I just think that there's some very fascinating and intriguing matchups all over the court. But the one that is most intriguing to me is I don't think Miles Turner is going to play because of his elbow. I think Tyson Chandler and Sabonis are going to be a fun matchup to watch in the post. What do you think about that? I would agree with that. I, I, I mean, I've loved what I've seen from Sabonis off the bench this season. I mean, he has been phenomenal. Like I was, I was kind of clinging to my state on Sabonis Island last year. Um, they started <laughs> him on the Thunder, and he just wasn't that great. But you saw the flashes, and I don't know. It's just that ex-Russell Westbrook teammate thing that seems to bring everyone to life. But he's been phenomenal this year. And, uh, you know, Chandler's a bit older. He's a little bit more prone to uh, giving up on some plays than you would hope for from the veteran guy just because, I mean, he knows his situation. He knows he's not uh, – He's not going to be spent competing for anything serious. So um, I am interested to see if Sabonis puts puts the work in on him, um, which I would guess is the case, especially as a guy who can kind of spread the floor and do a lot of things as such a versatile player. Chandler, at this stage, you might not be able to keep up with him. Yeah, Chandler, over his aging career, has done a decent job of staying as an effective like at-the-basket defender but you get him 10 feet away and uh, Sabonis is going to have a, a nice advantage here. And I think they're going to try to put whoever's on Sabonis in a billion pick and rolls in this game, which is why I'm so intrigued by who the starting center is. When I asked earlier, uh, it, Josh Jackson starts at the four now, correct? Or is it Chris when he's not hurt? Um, Bender's going to start at the four because Chris is, well, if Chris doesn't play, Chris is missing Friday's game with the hip flexor. Okay. Uh, could be back by Sunday, but we'll have to wait and see. If he doesn't play, Bender will start at the four. Jackson will come off the bench at the three, which is his more natural position. Okay, because my my big exploit I wanted the Pacers to attack was Thaddeus Young, literally whoever was on him, just take it to him. Uh, Marquise Chris couldn't guard me. Okay, he could guard me, but he couldn't. That's my joke for now is he couldn't guard me right now. And and Bender's more of a center in in stature. I know he's a decent defender, well, for his age, I guess. But he's a... you know, he's more of a center in stature on defense, and Jackson's a pretty good defender, but he they're going to probably try to have him defending more on the wing. So I think whoever's on Thaddeus Young, he'll have a nice advantage and be able to, you know, both stretch the floor and shoot and put it on the on the, on the the floor and get to the rim. I think he's the guy that I think will have uh, the the best game compared to his, his averages. I think, I think if Chris plays, I would definitely agree with you. I think if Bender is starting and playing on him the whole time, I think he's going to need to use his strength to his advantage because Bender has very good footwork and um, defensive instincts that I think like he, he plays mostly the four. He's shown a lot of flashes at the five. And I think that's going to ultimately be his position in this league. I think if him and Chris can learn to play together as a four five combo, that front court's going to be pretty versatile. Um, but for right now, he spent most of his time with the four and he's put in some pretty solid defensive work over the last few months. Um, so I think Young would have a field day with Chris. I'm not as confident as far as Bender's. That's interesting. I really still like Dragon Bender. I might be one of the few not Suns people who's still pretty high on Bender. I like the way he plays. I I like the skills he's shown. He just hasn't really played a ton of minutes, and he, he, they kind of play him at the four, which is weird to me. But I still really think he's good and will will be effective someday. So I'm I'm glad to hear that he's getting the start in in Chris's stead. Yeah, I mean, he's been – luckily he's been – he wasn't getting many minutes a couple, like a couple weeks ago just because, I mean, like Jackson Triano told him, like, I need more energy out of you. I need more from you. And uh, 
similar to Jackson Bender has also responded. I mean, he's shooting really well from three point range. He still has nights where he's not as aggressive as he needs to be offensively and makes kind of those young mistakes, but he only played half of his rookie season. So this is basically like year one for him still. Um, he's still only 20 years old. I, I think he's going to be just fine based on, you know, the defensive integrity he's shown and, and the fact that he's shooting so well from three point range, that's going to be huge for him moving forward. Uh, whether he's a stretch four or a stretch five. Yeah. And I just, I love his shooting. He he had 83 and a half percent of his points from three in the month of December, which is crazy. I mean, that is just a bonker stat and he's pretty good at defending the basket because he's seven foot one and is really long. So I totally believe that he can be a, a very effective NBA player going down the line. But uh, what back to this game, uh, do you think there's anyone on the Suns that is going to have a good game that, that has a nice favorable matchup for them? Um, I was going to say probably Warren versus Bogdanovich. Yep. <laughs> uh, as we all know, poor Boyan is not a uh, very able defender. And Warren is the kind of guy that will absolutely make you pay for it if you fall asleep off the ball. Because um, that's just, I mean, he does that to great defenders. So if Bogdanovich is even caught sleep, even if he's paying attention, like he still might get beat on a couple cuts. Um, I think that's the one that they'll try to exploit. I think the Pacers will try to take advantage of uh, Collison's size over Ulis, which is pretty much what every team does. <laughs> but, um, I mean, obviously the marquee matchup, Oladipo versus Booker, I, I mean, you got to lean in Oladipo's favor just because he is a stout defender and Booker, Booker's, Booker might be the better player as far as creating offense for himself or for others, but he's not... He's nowhere near the defender Oladipo is, and Oladipo is definitely going to make him work on both ends of the floor. Yeah, I agree. I think that defensive advantage is going to give him some lift in this game. Just exerting you know, the same amount of effort on both ends of the floor will be big for Oladipo. But yeah, the Ulis Collison thing's funny because they're both uh, probably under six feet tall. I know that uh, Collison's listed height is six feet, but it's not. And Kevin Pelton did a funny tweet this summer where I was like it's interesting because when when Collison played for the Pacers like half decade ago they listed him as six feet tall and then every other team he's played for in his career has listed him at 5'11 and then he comes back to the Pacers and they list him at six feet again but <laughs> he's under six feet and that U-list matchup will be funny but I also am the most worried about the one you're talking about which is Warren and Bogdanovich I wrote about it earlier in the year that mm-hmm. Boyan's D has improved but it's mostly and by most I mean almost entirely his on-ball D off-ball he has a penchant for falling asleep and just getting roasted on back doors and, you know, some ghost action and flying pig and all that stuff, whether you just back cut the guy and he just has no idea what's coming. And I know Warren is like, you you could call him a poacher if he played soccer because he just knows where to, to get the ball to score so easily and can hit the mid range and drive. And I'm really worried about Boyan guarding him in this one. Right. That would, that would definitely be the biggest uh, point of attention in the film room. If you're Nate McMillan, because that's, those two could not be worse suited for each other as far as defensively goes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> maybe Boyan can get, uh, finally get his groove back being guarded by TJ Warren. That'd be nice. Yeah, maybe, maybe he'll start knocking down some shots to kind of balance it out. <laughs> uh, and then I, I kind of have a last question. So Kanan is going to play. So the two point guards are Kanan Ulis. Who is like the, the backup two? Is it Troy Daniels most of the time? Uh, most of the time. Yes. It kind of depends um, sometimes they play Jackson there, just depending on who's available. Um, and then because, like, sometimes they actually like to run Booker with Troy Daniels and let Booker run the point because, um, you know, Kanan and uh, Ulis can't spread the floor at all. So if they want to 
you know, give defenses a different look, especially late in games and let Booker operate and then put some actual floor spacers around him like Troy Daniels and Dragon Bender. Um, those lineups have been pretty fun. So usually Troy Daniels is the backup too, but it just kind of depends on what Triano is feeling for the game. Yeah, I like Troy Daniels. I, I'm They just got destroyed by Wayne Ellington chucking away against the Heat. So, you know, if Daniels can get up some threes and put in some points, that's another way to beat the Pacers in this one. But I, I don't know what the – it's so hard because I feel like the Suns change up – or Triano changes up his rotation a lot, so it's hard to really say what matchups are even going to happen. Right, he definitely does. There was – I mean, the first couple weeks on the job between the injuries and then just trying different lineups to see what worked, it was uh, – it was hard to get a grip on what was going on at all. But now the rotations are starting to smooth out a little bit more. Uh, it kind of depends on a nightly basis what Ulysses and Cannon are, are giving the team. Because if they're not giving the team much, then Triano will not hesitate to put Booker at the one and mix things up and get a little crazy. That'll be something to look out for. He'd have a big size advantage over any Pacers point guard pretty much, except for Corey Joseph, who plays off ball more than on. So that, that is interesting. I've, I've, got, I've learned a lot of Sun stuff, which is exactly what this is for. <laughs> All right, let's get into the two burning questions. Really, only one burning question here, but I guess there's two. Um, what is your score prediction for this game? Well, uh, the Pacers have put up quite a few points on several occasions this season, if I'm not mistaken, and the Suns are not a good defense. Uh, improved defense, yes, but not a good one. Uh, on the other hand, I mean, they have had like three or four days of rest heading into Friday's game, and then they'll have another day off before Sunday's game. I, I've still got the Pacers 116, Suns 107. I like that high score. Yeah. <laughs> I, think I, I think I said like 118, 105 on our, on our weekly guesses, so I'll stick with that. But, you know, we're very close, which is ironic. Uh, I think it will be a high-scoring game, though, two high-powered offenses. We can only hope so because, I mean, if the Suns <laughs> are going to keep losing, it's better when they put up a lot of points. More That's than true. <laughs> I hope the Pacers keep winning because the playoffs are on the brink. But for this is the first time we've done this. So when we have – I want to start doing this until the trade deadline when I have someone on from the the other team's expertise. I want to see if I can work out a trade with them that the teams could make before the trade deadline that would be beneficial for both teams. But with the Suns, that's kind of hard because I, I don't know who they'd be willing to trade away that doesn't play center. Right. I mean, their biggest priority right now would be – getting rid of Greg Monroe and kind of trying to entice a team looking for more cap space this summer since he's an expiring contract. Um, but I, I mean, I just, I don't, the Pacers don't really have a need for a Greg Monroe. They already have an Al Jefferson like that's, <laughs> and he's at half the price, um, even though he has an extra year on his contract. It, I, I think with the Pacers. Partially guaranteed though. Oh, that's true. That's true. But I, I think with the Pacers, it's tough to tell, like, would they prefer to make a trade to boost their playoff standing or because a trade like that might cost them one of their younger guys because those are their most attractive assets. Obviously Oladipo is off limits right now. Uh, same with Turner. Um, you know, maybe, maybe TJ leaf would be someone that they could consider, but I mean, I don't, I don't know how much TJ leaf would be worth on the open market. What do you think they would try and make a trade? to boost their playoff standing or try and bolster that young core that's developing. Uh, me and Adam have guessed a million times and have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> I think you, you can find out more by February 1st uh, on that answer. I think it, for the, you know, I think obviously if they, if they get a chance to swing for the fences on an improvement, they'll do it. Mm -hmm. uh, but it has to be a good deal for them because they're not in a definitive enough, you know, 
competing position to do it. But I think they'll probably just stand pat. I think, uh, but I do. I did find one guy on the Suns when I was looking earlier today that I thought maybe that would make sense. You know, because like you said, you don't really know TJ Leaf's value. He's been kind of underwhelming as a rookie. The backup four has not been too kind for the Pacers, and Jared Dudley never really plays in Phoenix, so I'm sure we could uh, figure out a Jared Dudley trade, right? It's possible. It would depend <laughs> on what you would be willing to give back because, I mean, the Suns love Dudley, and they do need, like, the locker room veterans, and Dudley's arguably their most important on that front. Like, he, he doesn't play a lot of minutes, but his impact is more – I mean, I mean it, it's – it stands out more than like anything on the stat sheet would indicate. I think, I mean, I, he would be great as a backup four if that's been a problem for the Pacers. Um, he can still play. He, he's got kind of a dad bod now, but I mean, <laughs> he can still shoot. He still makes really good passes. He still knows the game well off the bench. That's very valuable. Um, my question is, how is the Pacers three-point shooting? Uh, they were second in the league in three-point percentage until that heat game last night where they went one of 18, and now they're fifth. <laughs> okay. So if they – hear me out here. I don't think that backup the backup two spot is a huge need since Lance can play kind of both spots as a combo guard. Correct. But, I mean, the Suns have a lot of uncertainty at the center position despite having three of them right now because Monroe's an expiring. He'll be gone this summer no matter what. Tyson Chandler has has been seen as like that trade chip that they should probably trade at some point soon. And then Alex Len is an unrestricted free agent and he's played really well, but he might, I don't know if the Suns are going to resign him if he continues to play this well. So my question is what about a Troy Daniels for Ike and Igbogo swap just straight up? Yeah, that's, I mean, I, I think EK has a, a ton of potential. I know Mike Schmitz loved him in the draft. But if the Pacers really needed a, a you know, I, I wanted a three and D guy and Troy Daniels is half of that, but uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, that, that'd be a tough pill to swallow. But, you know, if, if they think he could help a lot, like if there's an injury or something, you know, that would, that would be something that does make sense in, in theory. And if I'm the Pacers, I, I think you stand pat. I think you let uh, Ike kind of develop a little bit more before you, I mean, cause he came into the draft with injury concerns, which, yeah. which is why he fell so far. Otherwise he would have been a lot higher. Um, but I mean, I think if you are trying to bolster your trade standing or your playoff standing a little bit, that that's definitely one way. Cause Troy Daniels doesn't do much other than shoot, but he can really shoot. Um, and if that's worth, if they don't really like what they see from Bogo at this point, then, you know, might as well give it a shot. He's looked good in the, in the G league. I, you know, that, that, that'd be very interesting. I think Lance or, or Oladipo would have to get hurt for them to even consider that. But his, uh, his 80.4 three-point attempt rate combined with 40% shooting is, is pretty enticing. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, he's a, he's a gunner. They've had, the Suns have had a couple of good ones over the last few years, years like Mirza Toledovic. He was fun. Troy Daniels now. I don't know. It's, uh, we, just, we just take veteran shooters and tell them to just go crazy. Gerald Green. Gerald Green. Gerald Green, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I forgot Gerald Green was on the Suns. Yeah, and they got Troy Daniels for free, which was really nice. Yeah, good times. Yeah. Well, thanks for doing this, man. I appreciate it. Yeah, Tony, no problem. Thanks for having me. Where can I, where can people follow you and all your work and all that good stuff? Yeah, um, you can read my work and Tony's on hoopshabit.com. And uh, you can follow me on Twitter at G-E-R-A-L-D-B-O-U-R-G-U-E-T. 
yeah, you should follow Jared. If you don't follow any Suns people, one of my favorites. And he's credentialed, so you get good quotes sometimes, which is always fun. Right. And if you enjoy Derek Rose and Los Angeles Lakers slander, that's always fun. Too. <laughs> I think everybody besides fans of those things enjoy slander. <laughs> Well, as always, the podcast is at Lockdown Pacers. We're getting close to 300 followers, so I would appreciate if you guys helped us get there. You can follow me at T East NBA. Hope you guys had a great weekend. Enjoy this game tonight. We'll be back tomorrow to recap it and preview the back-to-back against the Jazz.